I'd like to tell you a story today about a visit that my family and I made to Makoshika State Park near Glendive, Montana, yesterday after church. So, you know, yesterday, Sunday, we have church in the morning, and uh, my wife was just really wanting to get out. Uh, you know, yesterday was uh, also the due date for our uh, newest addition, John Lazarus Mullet. And yeah, he came three weeks early, so he's been out for uh, a little bit. But of course, you know, there's the resting period uh, my wife and him had to go through and, uh, you know, focus on recovering and getting their strength back from the whole uh, birthing and being born uh, process. And so, you know, resting, you know, that was a, a lot of just being home, not going anywhere, not doing too much. And, uh, you know, obviously my wife got a little bit uh, tired of uh, not going anywhere and not doing anything. <laughs> so Saturday she actually uh, went to Glendive and uh, went uh, to a, a quilt uh, quilt show, took our daughter and, and John, went to that for a little bit. And then uh, she was wanting to go to Mikoshika as well. And on Saturday, I just said, oh, and, and, you know, we've got to mow the churchyard. And then it's my first day off. And I'm just kind of tired. And I've got to pick out songs for Sunday morning worship. And I just, uh, it just seems like too much. Can we maybe, can we maybe do Mikoshika after church on Sunday? And uh, so we agreed to do that, uh, for which I was thankful. <coughs> and we just so happened to have a uh, gift card for Subway that uh, Tabitha Bowline, a friend of ours from Ohio, who uh, also moved out with her husband and their family to uh, North Dakota, uh, she had given us very, very sweetly. She said, I'm, you know, I'm not much for uh, cooking and bringing meals, but, uh, you know, here's this gift card to help you guys while, while Lauren's recovering from the baby, while you guys are getting kind of adjusted. So that was super sweet. And we had enough for one more uh, meal at Subway for everybody. So I went into Subway, got us the sandwiches, went over to Reynolds, got us some big case of water and some chips. And uh, and then we go over to Mikoshka. And so, uh, you know, actually, it was it was a really beautiful day. Uh, Eastern Montana has been getting a lot of rain so far this spring and even into summer. And so everything is green. And uh, that's unusual, certainly in contrast with last year. Everything was very dry. Uh, I don't think even one of the several rains we've had uh, this year was less than all the rain we got <laughs> all of last year combined. Uh, you know, we just did not get much rain at all last year, and everything was very, very dry. It was hard for the farmers, and uh, it was just kind of uh, it was just kind of a depressing landscape, very desertish. Uh, however, Makoshika State Park, uh, Badlands area, you can look it up on Google if you're from outside the area. You don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, very green, very, very green. And so that was cool. It was neat to see. And, uh, you know, initially it looked like the uh, high was going to be in the 90s yesterday. And so that wasn't really all that exciting. We thought about taking along the grill and grilling some hot dogs out uh, near one of the pavilions or picnic tables. And we saw that it was going to be 90 degrees, and we said, no, let's just do Subway. It'll be fast and easy, and then we can get right to doing a little bit of a hike, get some exercise, stretch your legs. Uh, but, uh, you know, it ended up being, I think, a high of maybe 70, uh, low 70s. And uh, there was a nice breeze, and uh, we were we were very comfortable. It felt good. But... Uh, you know, we ate uh, under a pavilion. There was another family that was there. Uh, maybe they were on vacation, traveling across the country. Uh, did not seem to be from there. I could be wrong. But, um, you know, we, we ate our meal, and then the kids kind of meandered about, and then uh, packed everything up, went for a, a short little hike down one trail, and uh, looked at flowers. There were 
several cacti that were in bloom and so that was pretty uh just little wildflowers here and there and little uh odd shaped odd looking rocks that my kids i encouraged them to look at and examine as we went you know Nikoshka is well known for uh fossils dinosaur fossils there's a lot of them that have been found in there and uh so i said you know hey guys you know it could be after these rains that uh you could have something that is uh, exposed or washed down into one of these creek beds or what have you. And uh, so keep your eyes peeled. Cause you, you know, because they even have signs saying, you know, removal of fossils is uh, expressly prohibited. And the reason they have to say that is because <laughs> there's, there's quite a few fossils in there, right? Uh, but uh, so we, we, we hiked down uh, this, this one trail near uh, one of the pavilions, the eating area. And, uh, you know, got to a certain point and Lauren said, yeah, I think that's, that's probably, you know, probably good for me to just go ahead and turn back here soon. So, I, so I sent her and Evelyn and Enoch, uh, and John, obviously, uh, the, the three youngest sent them back. And then the four oldest, they saw something they thought looked like a cave, maybe up the hill. And so they wanted to go up there and investigate. So I said, well, I'll just take the four older ones up this hill. We'll take a look because they want to, and uh, and so we did, and and then we you know hiked back to the uh, van. It wasn't too far at all, really, but uh, you know hiked back and then uh, drove up uh, the road a ways uh, to uh, there's an amphitheater area where I don't know what kind of shows they do, but but apparently they do uh, shows and. Uh, and then there's some some neat rock formations over in that area, and uh, so we we got out again and, and did a, another short hike. And you know, Lauren just having a baby three weeks ago, I don't get too far from the van in case she you know starts feeling like, hey, I, that's that's enough. You know, I want to be close enough. We figured we could make a couple of short hikes, stay close to the van, but that would just kind of you know work work up the strength uh, slowly. But uh, we hiked in on this the second trail, and the remarkable thing uh, was there was another family. There was a uh, uh, mom and dad, and uh, at least two boys. I think it was just two. And we were a little bit behind them initially, and we ended up passing them. Um, but I, I noticed uh, a very sharp contrast in the way that they were. Uh, approaching these rocks and, and the hiking and the trail and all that. And they had young boys that were probably around the, the age of uh, you know, my boys, maybe a little bit younger than my oldest ones. But, uh, you know, they they wanted to climb and explore and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, there, there are some, you know, good drops here and there where I, you know, I wouldn't want to fall down it. I don't want my kids to fall down it. Um, but there's also, I mean, there's degrees and, and uh, you know, there's, uh, there's some of it that's not really all that bad at all. But uh, I noticed, you know, these, these boys, they started out with a sense of adventure and they were excited. They wanted to climb and, and exercise and stretch and, uh, you know, conquer this wilderness terrain. And uh, their mother was just absolutely uh you know, just she was freaking out at every little thing, and just you know, she's ordering them to come back and ordering their father, you know, get after them, get up there, you know, don't don't let them do that, don't, you know. And it was nonstop. I mean, it was just like all the time. Uh, and and what I noticed as we were going along is the more this kept up, uh, the the less adventurous the boys seemed, the less. Less excited, less uh, enthusiastic, uh, and then then also towards the very end before they turned back, uh, I could hear them sounding nervous. The, the little boys sounded nervous about even the the smallest of little challenge. Like it was it was uh, barely anything to turn around. I mean, I'm talking like two feet <laughs> from from one rock to the ground, and then all of a sudden they're nervous about even that because. Uh, you know, they've, they've lost their confidence, lost their excitement about it. 
and uh, and they feel like that's the direction they're, they're being disciplined in is to be nervous to be afraid and uh you know god bless them they they were uh you know apparently responding to to that and you know meanwhile you know i <laughs> figured well let's just try and pass these people and you know i don't want to be you know in their uh, in their way or them and us in, in our way and we'll give each other a little bit of space that's why you come out here anyways is you get a little bit of space from people and uh stretch your legs and, and not feel so hemmed in and uh so you know we got a little bit past them but my boys they were climbing all over the rocks and there was there was only really maybe one or two spots at which i felt a little bit nervous and i was like hey guys like i don't go any further than this I want you to stop there. I want you to come back. I want you, you know, look look how far this is down. Be, you know, watch your step. Watch for loose rock here. What you know, but but even there, it was it wasn't just, you know, I'm not going to just emote at my children. And uh, and I don't want them to just stay on the ground either, because I, I feel like there's a there's something scary in that. If I'm honest, uh, you know, just just not stretching your legs, not developing a sense of adventure, not having courage, not uh, conquering the terrain, mastering it. Uh, that is something to be afraid of. Right. That is actually unsafe. If you think about it. And uh, and so, you know, that's that's the topic uh, I have for this morning that I want to talk about uh, has to do with uh, safety and fear and uh, taking risks and when is it appropriate to take risks and uh, when should we take a step back and, and uh, recalculate and when should we caution others to take a step back. Uh, but that, you know, that's, uh, that's what, uh, by way of introduction, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So obviously in the case that I just uh, told you about from yesterday with Makoshka, uh, I disagree with uh, the mother who uh, was uh, freaking out about her children climbing on the rocks. Uh, I, I would term that helicopter parenting uh, if, uh, if nothing else is. And, uh, you know, I just uh, was listening to a little bit of a Stefan Molyneux uh, YouTube video where he's interviewing this young woman who is concerned about how afraid everyone in her generation seems to be of going outside and, and uh, facing the real world. And, uh, you know, what is the reason for this? Why is it that our young men are hiding in video games? Uh, why is it that, that people are afraid to go out? Uh, and, and live life? Why are they not excited about life and what's coming? And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I didn't finish the video. Um, I stopped a little bit short because I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't wanting to take up all of the time that I have this morning for recording this podcast, for instance, in uh, listening to this hour-long broadcast. But, uh, you know, I, I note... Uh, there was a, a time here recently, recent months, which I, I stopped and uh, I, I took a step back from what I was doing uh, personally and how I was approaching life and how I was approaching problems. And I noticed, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, having worked in oil and gas six years now, I've seen one pretty dramatic up-down cycle. You know, oil was, I think, $150 a barrel or something like that. And when it was, uh, there were jobs aplenty. There was uh, a really high uh, wage you could expect to get with most jobs. Not a lot of barriers to entry as far as experience, uh, education. There were so many jobs and so many companies looking for workers that uh, you could kind of skip past a lot of the uh minimum requirements that would be found in, in other circumstances. And then uh, you get into the downtime where uh, oil dropped to, I think it was like $17 a barrel or something crazy like that. Um, it was, it was kind of just the opposite where here, you know, I've got four and a half years experience, five years experience. 
uh, and not just any old experience, not uh, you know me just doing menial labor, but uh, me operating oil and gas wells for ConocoPhillips, one of the most prestigious uh, class act oil and gas companies in the world. You know, and and uh, not just being a lease operator, but also being a training coordinator for their uh, safety program for their BBS teaching new contractors, new employees, how to follow this program and what it's about, putting them through orientation, uh, doing safety meetings, getting up and talking for, you know, so, so doing extra stuff, you know, training other operators, uh, being a resource that people call to ask questions when, you know, they're stumped. Why is this equipment not working? What's wrong with it? How do I fix it? Uh, you know, here I had that great experience and yet, you know, when, when the bottom hit, uh, it, it was difficult. It was surprisingly difficult to get a job. And, and then I was, uh, I was kind of, you know, I'm going to have to just take whatever I can get, uh, because we, we need some money. You know, I got some severance, uh, monies, uh, a good amount of, of a severance package from, uh, when I, uh, I, I wouldn't say I was laid off from Conoco. It was more that I, I chose the layoff, uh, it was one of three options. The other two uh, being distasteful to me, and and then that option of the layoff with the severance package, of course, being pretty attractive because it it might represent, uh, you know, being able to to look around, do something different, learn some more about the industry by, you know, finding more technical work within it, as I did. Uh, I think that was a good plan. I'm I'm getting offers. I'm getting interest uh, with having even a year and a half, uh, you know, in, in measurement and automation and, and things like that. Even just having the automation technician title on my resume, I've been getting messages from recruiters left and right. Uh, I would say probably on a, on a weekly basis, if not, uh, every other week, um, for, for a while now. And, uh, even had, uh, Tesla motors, uh, they messaged me, I went through two interviews, they made me an offer, then they increased their offer amount, and they were going to pay for my relocation to Sparks, Nevada, they were going to pay for temporary housing. Uh, it was really, really, really tempting, uh, but uh, alas, anyway. Uh, you know, in the meantime, between <clears throat> when I got laid off from ConocoPhillips, or accepted the layoff, and uh, and that, I went through a period of really high anxiety because I saw a lot of people out of work. I saw wages dropping. I was having a much harder time finding another job than I had expected to. And I was afraid we were going to lose our house. I was afraid uh, everybody who'd ever discouraged my wife from uh, marrying me back before uh, <laughs> back before we got married, everybody who'd ever... Uh, look down on us for having seven children. I was afraid they were all going to be right, and I was going to have proved them right by uh, having accepted this layoff from Conoco. Why didn't I just keep my head down and and uh, you know endure uh, the other two options that seemed distasteful at the time? And what's wrong with you know? And now we're going to lose everything, and we have no money, and I had I don't know what the future holds, and I was scared. And uh, you know, and and meanwhile there was a associate of mine, a friend of mine, who's going through a little bit of a rough time as well, a rough patch. And uh, he and I really got into uh, this certain computer game, uh, Civilization VI. And uh, we played so much. I mean, it was pretty much with all of our free time, uh, we, we devoted to that. And, uh, and both of us, we, we took a step back from writing and uh, I felt like, at least for me personally, the game had become too much of an escape from reality. And, and the reason being, uh, it was something I could control. I could turn it off uh, if it got uh, you know, unpleasant. If, it, if I didn't feel like I was doing as well as I wanted to, I could just end the game and start a new one at any point in time. And so it became kind of a, a sandbox, if you will for uh, decision-making. I was trying to maybe rebuild my confidence a little bit that, uh, yes, I can 
uh, analyze complex situations and problems. I can make good decisions. I can be wise and smart and clever and all of those things. And, uh, and I'm not an idiot. <laughs> uh, and you know, the, and the nice thing about this game is that uh, it would it would it would show me that I was these things hopefully uh, and perhaps even exercise my brain in that regard in that direction uh, you know if, if your brain is a muscle and you exercise it you know you, you hope that it'll get uh, stronger <laughs> have more endurance uh, <clears throat> but uh, you know I, I I got to looking at that. And how much time I was spending in it and feeling bad about not writing anymore and, and wondering if maybe I was, I was escaping reality more than preparing for reality and if it, it had gotten out of balance. And, uh, you know, the short answer is uh, for me, it, it had and I, I was and I needed to take a step back. Uh, I needed a break from that, even as fun as the game is. And I think it's a great game. I, I really do. I think it's super cool. Um, all the better if you play with friends and you can have a relationship aspect to it. Um, all the better too if you can, you know, moderate your time. It could be kind of an addictive game. And, uh, you know, if you moderate your time, sit, maybe set some time limits and say, hey, I'm only going to play for an hour and a half. I'm going to play for two hours or whatever. You know, it's, I, I think it is uh, a much better way to spend two hours. Uh, in most cases, than you know, say watching a movie where you're just passively accepting, receiving. Uh, in the case of a game, you're making decisions, you're practicing, being active with your thinking, and uh, and then seeing consequences for your right, rightly uh, uh, assessing a situation and, and responding accordingly. But uh, you know, I took a step back from that because it occurred to me, you know what, even if the real world is scary and I can't just uh, reboot, <laughs> uh, turn it off, uh, start a new game, uh, whatever, uh, when it gets to, when it looks like it's not going the way I want it to, uh, you know, at least whatever progress I make in the real world is, is real. It's, it's fixed. And whatever progress I'm making in this game, you know, it's, it's transitory and it, it uh, does not, it's not a one-to-one -one ratio of how it translates into real life benefit, right? Uh, but I, th I think that's a little bit of what, <clears throat> what path uh, Stefan Molino's YouTube video was going to go down, was uh, talking about, you know, this, this uh, issue with young people today, how they're not ready to live life. They're not ready to be adults. They're, they're going to be perpetual adolescents. And... I, I can see I can see the concern there. Um, you know, it could be also uh, a little bit of a you know don't um, don't go looking for self fulfilling prophecies. I guess <laughs> where you become so anxious about video games that that's just you know it it becomes one more just add one more anxiety onto the, the pile of anxieties. Uh, but you know, looking at it from a Christian worldview, Christian perspective, I don't think. Video games are inherently uh, nonsense or a complete waste of time. I don't think that enjoying something uh, that God is a, a fuddy-duddy who just, he, you know, he's up in heaven frowning every time it looks like we're having fun. Uh, I don't either think that we're only supposed to be uh, about having fun. I think we need to be serious and to know how to be serious, especially when uh, there's a situation that, it requires being serious. <clears throat> There's a there is a real danger, or a real risk, or a real opportunity. You know, uh, if God's put something in front of you, He wants you to invest yourself in. Uh, you know, we have the parable of the talents, where a master gives money to three servants to invest. And uh, two of the servants, they end up investing and making a profit. When the master returns, they're able to give the original amount plus the profit that they've earned from investing. And the master's pleased with that. He's happy, right? Uh, the third servant says, oh, I buried 
the money that you gave me in a field, because I know that you're a hard man who reaps where he did not sow. And the master ends up, he, he rebukes that. And the master in that case uh, is symbolic of God. So Jesus is telling us how God feels when we bury the gifts he's given us. He, they still belong to him. Even if he takes a step back, he removes himself from the situation, allows us to make the decision on how to invest them. Those talents ultimately belong to him. We belong to him. We are not our own, but we were bought with a price. And uh, and God is not impressed when we bury our talents in a field. And so, you know, I got to thinking about, uh, let's say, uh, my career in oil and gas. I thought, you know, rather than playing computer games, I need to uh, maybe be looking at where I'm going in my career. You know, am I preparing myself sufficiently? Uh, do I have a presence of mind, mental uh resources, real estate freed up <laughs> uh, to, to do well in my in my career, or am I spending them in this video game, uh, not just developing my muscle, but maybe exhausting my muscle in some cases to where I'm not fully ready to, to jump in and, and uh, engage my work as I ought to. Uh, you know, that's, and that's a, not all, it's not an all or nothing. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Um, but it, it can be overbalanced, out of balance, one direction or the other. Uh, you know, in the case of, uh, you know, my home, it was, you know, I, I would get home and here, you know, my wife is pregnant, especially. We're getting closer and closer to the due date for John Lazarus. And I'm thinking, you know, man, I, we need to get some stuff cleaned up, get some stuff fixed up. All this time I'm spending in this game, I need to maybe spend a little bit more time uh, around the house, spend more time talking with my children. That's an investment. Uh, that is a talent. That's a, a gift that God's given us that these children that need to be invested in. Uh, you know, also uh, podcasting is something that we had talked about doing for a long time and then never got to doing it. And I, I knew that it probably was pretty easy. I just needed to sit down and actually do the research for it. But, you know, there's a perfect case of point. In all of 15 minutes, I had this podcast set up. I did a quick Google search. Anchor came up. And uh, it looked incredibly easy to do. And uh, and what do you know? It is. It is easy to do. <laughs> uh, you know, and even if uh, somebody would say, well, Garrett, you know, you, you're recording your, what, sixth episode now? Something like that on uh, this podcast. And each of them are about an hour long. That's six hours. How do you find the time to record six hours worth of, of podcast? Uh, you know, YouTube. How do you find uh, 25 hours, 26 hours, however many hours it is over the course of this past month uh, to record all those YouTube videos where you're talking? Uh, you know, part of the answer is uh, I had to free up that time um, by, you know, eliminating or reducing how much time I was spending doing other things. Uh, part of the answer to that is, you know, if it takes uh, an hour for me to record the podcast, uh, you know, it's not taking me 10 hours to prepare where I'm just dedicating 10 hours to, to preparing. Uh, or if I am, or if I have, that's 10 hours over the past however many years of listening to audiobooks and thinking and having all of this quiet time as I drive around the countryside and, and work in oil and gas, and I'm usually working by myself. It is years of meditation, uh, even as I was doing other things years of meditation that now I have something to say and I know what I want to say and I'm ready to say it. Uh, and now all, all it really requires is just sitting time, sitting down and, and saying it, you know? Um, but that required, uh, uh, more I internally than it did externally, if that makes sense. You know, the decision to finally bite the bullet and, uh, and, and record this podcast, uh, it was not, the biggest challenges to that were not external, outside of myself. Uh, where do I find the time? You know, it's pretty typical, uh, you know, in our house, it seems like I am the early riser. Every now and then, one of our children will wake up at a ridiculous hour, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, and I'll come downstairs to find that they're awake. But that is very uncommon. Usually, two or three of them are awake by... Uh, 6 a.m., 
7 a.m. Yesterday we went hiking in Makoshka, so everybody's tired. Everybody is still asleep at 7, 16 a.m. currently. But, uh, you know, hey, if I'm awake from 5 to 7 or 5 to 8 or 5 to 9 or whatever time everybody else wakes up and gets started for the day and the house is quiet, uh, you know, rather than just sit here in, in the silence and talk with our dog, Otis, uh, you know, why don't I sit and record this podcast? Hey, you know, why not? Uh, and, and what's more, too, you know, hey, I'm awake. My mind is active. I have got things I want to say. And I've got this, the space of time here to say them at, uh, at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. You know, usually 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. I'm drinking my coffee. Right, first cup of coffee, uh, drinking it slowly, reading the news, checking my email, things like that. Uh, getting getting a lay of the land, taking in information, data, uh, and then you know maybe six to seven. Uh, that's when I'm going to be uh, recording a podcast, writing, uh, doing something like that, where I'm not just receiving information. I'm also uh, processing and then returning. You know, return fire, you know, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the, the the barrier there, if I've got these hours of, of quiet time in the mornings and I know what I have to say, the barriers to entry for getting into this podcasting thing were, were pretty low from a logistics standpoint. The time was, was really already carved out. It just was, uh, and now it's a, a question of, am I podcasting when I used to write? Uh, am I podcasting where I used to play uh, Civilization Six? You know, something has to give, and in, and in this case, uh, I, you know, I feel called that that this is what God wants me to be doing right now. I'm enjoying it, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm doing this instead of those other things. I felt like God was saying, "Hey, okay, that's that door is closing, or that's maybe a burying your talents if you're doing this instead of uh, what I've called you to do or what I've given you a gift in." You know, maybe I am gifted at Civilization VI. <laughs> uh, you know, but but maybe that's not uh, maybe that's not the uh, uh, the end goal that God had in mind for <laughs> giving me a mind uh, was just so that I could only play uh, Civilization VI well. Maybe maybe He has bigger hopes, dreams, and aspirations for my purpose in life than that. Uh, but. You know, the internal objection to, let's say, podcasting was uh, you start investing what God has given you. You put yourself out there. You say, hey, this is, I think, I think there is a, a diamond in this rough. Uh, and uh, and you start trying to uncover it, clean it up, polish it, cut it, uh, set it <laughs> in uh, 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 whatever. And you, you get um, the, the peanut gallery. Right, you get people who are weighing in and saying, uh, "Garrett, what what do you think about uh, not doing that?" Actually, you know, I don't like what you have to say. I don't like the way you say it. I don't like your face. I don't, you know, why don't you just go away? Uh, and and you're anytime you try to do something worthwhile, you're going to have some people uh, that are just not they're just not going to be impressed, or it just doesn't it, it's not their thing you know they just don't like it um, not everybody has to like everything that's okay you know some things are pickles on your hamburger is that's the, the way i like to put it personal preference if you like to put pickles on your hamburger and i don't great you you do you and i'll do me and <laughs> it's okay uh you know we went to subway and got sandwiches i went in Everybody else stayed out in the van because we weren't going to unload seven children and my wife and I and all stand in line there watching the sandwich maker, sandwich artist, whatever you call them, uh, <clears throat> whatever the politically correct term is. Uh, you know, I went in, though, and I, I uh, gave the uh, instructions for um, you know what sand sandwiches we wanted, what we wanted on them. And, you know, it occurs to me, I, I told the, the one gal, uh, she was making the two Subway clubs that I was ordering for our children. And I asked her to cut them each into three pieces, footlongs. And that seems to be, you know, about about the right size 
for our kids, especially if we're doing something exciting, they want to just hurry up, finish eating and get right to the fun. Uh, you know, a third of a foot long is, is about right for them. But, uh, you know, I told her, I said, you know, we'll just keep these two sandwiches, these Subway clubs, we'll keep them pretty simple. Uh, you know, meat, cheese, lettuce, uh, tomato, and mayonnaise. I don't think it needs to be anything more than that. There's more I would put on it, and I did. On my sandwich, I put more on my sandwich to the point that she had a hard time closing it. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of bursting at the seams. Um, but, you know, if my kids don't like black olives and they don't like uh, buffalo chicken sauce, you know, that's okay. They don't have to just because I like it. Uh, but by the same token, I don't have to stop liking black olives and uh, honey mustard on my buffalo chicken flatbread footlong. I don't have to stop liking those things just because they don't care for them, right? Uh, but, you know, things like that can crop up when you try to do something you know, and I've I've run into it a, a time or two with writing, with uh, you know, not not so much with podcasting. Podcasting is pretty new so far. Uh, YouTubing is pretty new so far, but especially with blogging, sharing opinions online, some of it is just pickles on your hamburger kind of stuff. I'm saying this is what I think. Somebody else doesn't really care for it. They let me know. And, and not everybody is self-aware enough to realize when it's a pickles on your hamburger kind of an issue. Some people say, hey, yes, you know, I don't care for it, but that's cool if you do. Uh, other people, they, they don't see a distinction. And that can be stressful, you know, especially when you, you want to take a step back. And you want to say, hey, okay, maybe I haven't thought about this. I want to give them a fair hearing if they uh, are are aware of something that is an issue of right and wrong that I had overlooked before. If they're aware of a, a wisdom folly uh, dichotomy here that I had overlooked before, then I, I want to take a stop and and uh, look at that. Um, but you know, sometimes what it is is it's it's not uh, it's well it's not well informed. If they're saying it is a matter of of uh, right and wrong. Uh, it is a matter of personal preference instead, and they just they care so much about their personal preference that they are willing to exaggerate its importance to the to the level of right and wrong. Uh, that's not appropriate. But you know, in the in the process of trying to decide and, and give them a fair hearing and figure that out, even just asking the questions, you can have people, and I have had people get <clears throat> really upset. They don't want to be questioned. And they don't want you examining what it is that they said. They just want you to take their word for it. Just do what I said when I said it. You ask how high when I say jump, get to it. And and then, <clears throat> you know, in a situation like that, all of a sudden, you've got a whole other problem on your hands. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, that person needs to, <laughs> in my opinion, they need to be reminded of uh, their their uh, position uh, in in the hierarchy of uh, you know, God and man, <laughs> they are not uh, God. Uh, and if God has given you the the prompting and, and the ability, the opportunity to to do something, you know they need to be reminded that you know, hey, we must obey God rather than man. You're just a man. Don't uh, don't go thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Uh, you know, and that that leads me to. Uh, the next thing that uh, is is timely in this discussion of fear and uh, taking risk and having courage and investing yourself. Let me read an extended passage for you here from Matthew 10. And it says, this is Jesus speaking, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in your synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. 
When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So why do I read that whole passage to you? Well, I want to point out one thing in particular where Jesus says in uh, verses 16 through 24 and 25 that we should expect persecution. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Persecution will come. And the reason it's going to come is because uh, the world hated Jesus, and if we are coming in Jesus' name, then they're going to hate us too. <laughs> a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. So you can expect to be persecuted. If you're not going to be persecuted, if you don't ever face any kind of persecution, suffer any kind of persecution, um, maybe, you, maybe you're not doing it right. <laughs> if you'll forgive me. Uh, not to make light of persecution, but uh, if you if you've never had a scenario in which you wondered if, hey, am I being persecuted right now for my faith as a Christian? You might be doing it wrong. Um, you know, the next thing, uh, verses 26 through 33, and Jesus says, have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. And he says in verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Now that makes zero sense to anybody who believes this life is all we've got. Zero sense. You know, why would I not be afraid of those who can kill the body? That's all I've got. They don't believe that they have a soul, that they are a soul. But we who are Christians, who believe that Jesus died, was buried, and raised from the dead, and that we have eternal life 
through his sacrifice on our behalf, uh, we do not believe that this life is all there is. We do not believe this body is all there is. And Jesus tells us, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, I'll, I'll note here just a very small footnote, something I would like to do some more studying on and maybe even talk about in, in a future podcast is uh, this doctrine of annihilationism, which uh, I, I've only just here recently become aware of that that was an idea, something uh, James Scott from Hillsborough, Ohio had mentioned to me. He sent me a podcast of someone else uh, that was uh, discussing it, their views on it. But, uh, you know, this idea that God is able to, he, he can just, not only, he can, he can kill your body, he can also uh, destroy your body and your soul in hell. Uh, you know, in, in terms of who is scarier, you know, maybe you should, you know, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, should you be afraid of man, if man is telling you, Knock that off. Knock all that Christian stuff off. Stop believing in Jesus. Stop living the way that Jesus told you to live. Do what we tell you to do. Ask how high when we say jump. Don't don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do you know? Should we be more afraid of them? And then the worst they can do is they can kill us, kill this body. Or, or uh, should we fear God more when God says, "No, do do that." I want you to be like Jesus. I want you to follow after him. I want you to do what he told you to do. Uh, clearly, we should fear God rather than man. We should obey God rather than men. But it says, fear not. You know, how many times uh, are we afraid in daily life because we just don't have the right perspective of uh, danger, of risk? You know, the, the Christian worldview is not this uh, kid gloves towards reality uh, scenario, you know, that we so often find ourselves in. I think church culture, uh, in, in all too many cases, becomes uh, just entirely too safe uh, for the gospel. And the gospel is entirely too dangerous for uh, the Western church unfortunately, to the point that some even, you know, when, when there was this refugee uh, crisis, Syrian refugee crisis that was being debated a number of years ago, some Christians that I'm friends with and family with uh, rightly pointed out that, uh, you know, the American church uh, doesn't really know persecution, uh, isn't really maybe some persecution would do us some good. You know, maybe that <laughs> would refine us a little bit, refine our faith. Um, you know, I would argue we don't need to import uh, Muslims from the Middle East to come here and persecute us. Uh, just try uh, talking about Jesus, bringing your Bible to school, uh, you know, standing on Christian ethics in the public sphere with regards to any one of uh, a number of uh, politically correct positions the left has taken. Uh, just try that and see if you can hold on to your business, hold on to your job. Uh, if you can uh, keep from being bullied uh, severely by even your teachers and the school administrators, if you're a student uh, or if you're a teacher, especially if you're a teacher, you're going to lose your job. You'll be pilloried. You might be sued. Uh, you'll definitely be headline news and embarrassed. But, uh, you know, don't tell me uh, we couldn't have some persecution in this country if uh, if we were <laughs> living like Jesus, because I think we, I think we would. Uh, and, and some do, actually. You know, Jesus says, do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. And, you know, and I say, uh, hurrah, yes, uh, more of that. You know, that needs to be. A bumper sticker that needs to be a morale patch on uh, my body armor. <laughs> do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I do have a, a morale patch, uh, by the way. It's uh, something my cousin Brent sent to me. Uh, it says, uh, "Oh, what is it? May your peace be with you," or something like that. Anyway, uh, and it's it's a picture of Jesus holding a lamb in one arm. And holding an AK-47 in another arm, I guess he's going to uh, defend the flock with a with a AK-47 
but anyway, it tickled me. Uh, you know, Jesus says, verse 34, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Uh, I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You know, and, and you read here, I mean, Jesus, on the one hand, it, it seems remarkable that he's telling us, um, yeah, people are going to hate you to the point that they want to kill you. Even members of your own household are going to be your enemies because of this. I'm just going to tell you up front. You know, it's not hidden in the fine print. Jesus doesn't make a secret of it. He doesn't smile like Joel Osteen, say, you can have your best life now. He is very upfront and says, your, your own family is going to hand you over to be murdered because of me and because of believing this stuff. You know, whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. You, you think about uh, what our goal should be as Christian parents. Isn't our goal uh, that our, our children would know and love Jesus and that they would be able to invest whatever talents God has given them well? To where, you know, at the end of, of life, at the end of the race, Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant to them. That, I, I think, should be our ultimate goal as Christian parents is that we're raising our children to know and love and serve Jesus. And as such, yeah, we cultivate their minds. We get them involved in uh, sports in, in moderation, <laughs> I would argue, uh, to counter the uh, maybe imbalanced uh, emphasis that gets put on sports uh, in, in many of the cases I've observed. But, uh, you, know, we, you know, what is it Jesus says? Love the Lord your God with all your uh, heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. So you've got this uh, totality of your being that God has created you with. He made you with a heart. He gave you emotions. He gave you a mind. He gave you the ability to think critically to understand things, make decisions. He give you a body to be able to go and do things. Uh, you know, but just as it says, uh, you know, your, your body is not your own. You were bought with a price. So also with your mind and your heart, God wants uh, all of us to be serving him. We, we need to be investing all of us in whatever work God has prepared for us, whatever good works he's prepared for us. And, uh, you know, as such, yeah, as Christian parents, we, we make sure our kids learn their subjects, make sure they learn reading, and math, and history, and science, and et cetera. You know, if they're gifted in music, you know, make sure they're learning music. Uh, if they have a real passion for uh, computer programming, you know, get them some computer programming, uh, you know, uh, coursework. Maybe that's part of the, the talent that God has given them to invest uh, and make some interest on, and he has a purpose for that. Uh, you know, whatever it is that that we're trying to uh, prepare them for in adult life, as Christian parents, you know, we want them to, yes, expect difficulty, expect risk and trials, expect people to even hate you for living for Jesus. Uh, but what is it Jesus also says? Have no fear. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And, and the point I'm driving at, you know, in, in light of this uh, Makoshika visit, and I don't mean to, to um, criticize this mother that I don't know and how she's raising her children. That's between her and God primarily. But as for me in my house, you know, I, I'll tell you uh, part of my philosophy is that the world needs young men who are going to be raised to be men. And not raised to be effeminate, not raised to be uh, gender confused, gender fluid, but men who are men and men who are leaders because God calls men, created men, to be leaders in their homes, in their churches, in their communities, in society, in nations. God made the men to be leaders. And we are leading one way or another. If we're leading in the direction of order and goodness and uh, protection and provision, for those fears, uh, or if we're leading in the direction of negligence and self-service and cowardice 
uh, wh whether we are <laughs> active or passive, we are leading in some form or fashion. We're setting an example. We're setting a tone. Uh, and we, we would do well to remember that. But, you know, so also I mean, with risk, even with something as simple as climbing on a rock, you know, if, if they're not going to fall and break their neck and die, uh, if they fall off of that, um, yeah, I, you know, I think I would rather them climb up there and let's take the risk because I want them to be courageous. I want them to have uh, not this, uh, I, I don't want them to be uh, bubble boys who just have to be insulated from reality. Uh, I don't want that. I, that's not, that's not safe, actually. <laughs> it's an unsafe uh, potential uh, future, uh, not only for them, but for their, their future spouses, for their future children, for the future churches, for the future communities. Uh, that is an unsafe future. If we uh, only care about safety, put that first and foremost, and don't allow our children to take risks. You know, what is it Miss Frizzle says in the Magic School Bus? Uh, what is it? Take, take chances make mistakes, get messy, you know, because that's, that's part of uh, the science. That's part of the, you know, making discoveries and learning about uh, how the world works and, and their place in it and what to do. Yeah, I think also too, uh, you know, there's a Mike Rowe uh, interview that was done with Tucker Carlson here recently where uh, he was being asked about his uh, attitude towards safety and you know, here he's uh, had these different shows, very popular shows like uh, Dirty Jobs, where they go out and they do, you know, you know, not only dirty work, but you know, in many cases also very dangerous work. And you're working with heavy machinery and uh, and sharp things and loud things and all that. So there's always safety briefings that they have to go through. Uh, you know, and he said they've been through thousands of safety briefings, and. You, you, it gets to be too much at a certain point. It's just mind-numbing and insulting to your intelligence. And then also, too, you know, he was reasoning it out. Like, how was this country built? It was built by uh, men being willing to take risks, you know, coming across the ocean to, to discover the new world, and then coming across to settle the new world, and then settling the new world. Uh, this wilderness, and then you've got Indians, and you've got wildlife, and you've got uh, diseases, you've got hunger, you've got some uh, rainy seasons, and you've got some not so rainy seasons. You've got uh, dangerous terrain, etc. Not a safe choice, per se. Uh, but that's how we got here. Was men didn't put safety first and foremost. Yeah, it needs to be a priority. Uh, yeah, we we need to not take unnecessary risks and and you know how the, the devil's in the details on how you define necessary. Um, but you know you don't you don't risk somebody's life just for the fun of it. Uh, but on the other hand, we would not be here if those who came before had said, "I'm just not going to take." that risk. We're going to play it safe. We're going to stay in the familiar. We're going to stay in the know. We're just going to play video games all day. You know, if video games had been around in the days of Christopher Columbus. Uh, you know, would, uh, would America have been settled and, and found and, and colonized and all the liberals that say, well, you know, that was just awful that, that uh, Europeans came to the new world and, and settled it and colonized it and all that. Uh, that's an episode for another day. And I really, really want to talk about that at some point like to reference Charles C. Mann's uh, books 1491 and 1493. I'd like to reference uh, Stephen Ambrose's uh, Undaunted Courage, uh, many other works as well, uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel, many other things. But, uh, you know, for right now, we'll just say, uh, you know, in order for men to be men, if we believe that masculinity is uh, is a good thing, it's a it's a distinct thing, and we should, we really really should, you know. And this is again another topic for another day. I'm already getting uh, in on my my hour here, but you know, you look at the the animals, right? You look at, at uh, non-human species that are on this planet that have 
male and female. They have two genders. And the two genders, what do you know? They express themselves different ways. And you have these little communities, uh, little herds and whatnot, where the, the male and the female of the species act differently and they relate to one another differently. And, uh, and you know, what are the feminists and the, the gender fluid, gender confused people of today, what do they say to that? They say that's just a social construct. Uh, I, I have yet to hear that argument because it's ridiculous. It, it would be idiotic if they start arguing that the animals learned it from us. You know, we, we sexists, we taught the animals to be uh, sexist. Uh, get out of here. No, that's ridiculous. You're, you're a deeply confused person who's trying to hoist your confusion on the rest of us. and We're not going to have it. Uh, go away. Get your mind right. And, uh, and come back when uh, <laughs> you understand the most basic fundamental of distinctions between people, male and female. Uh, it's a God-ordained, God-designed, uh, deliberate, intentional, purposeful, and I would say beautiful difference between people, uh, male and female. It's something we should celebrate and uh, use properly, invest that. That's a, a talent that's a gift maleness for men is a gift and uh, and femaleness femininity for women is a gift and when we blur that uh when we say hey we're going to create uh you know 93 uh, other options for gender that we just made up out of nothing uh, and then you're going to be forced to, to refer to these people as that gender that we just made up or else you're going to be punished for being a bigot you know, when that happens, uh, you know, it, it is uh, socially, culturally, I think, uh, part of the equivalent of burying a talent in the dirt. You know, some good gift that God's given. He wants us to invest it. There's a purpose for it. He made it for a reason. And we're blowing it. We're wasting it. Um, anyway. Um you know, in, in summary, though, you know, just to bring this full circle, make sure I restate my point. You know, I let my kids climb on rocks. I, there were, you know, two times I can think of yesterday where I said, hey, guys, why don't we back up a little bit? I'm a little bit nervous about how close you are to the edge and how uh, far that edge is from the surface below. <laughs> uh, you know, let's let's stay back here. But, you know, I let my kids climb on rocks. And uh, I think they are the better for it. I think uh, we need to uh, let our kids have some risk and danger in life and not hover uh, over them. You know, the, the one mom, she said something to one of my boys. They were telling Lauren and I after we left. She said she's a mean mom. She's not like uh, my kid's mom who's letting them climb on stuff. You know, how, how my kid's mom is uh is you know more relaxed about that kind of stuff obviously she's a mean mom and uh you know i just i don't i wouldn't have put it that way i'm sure she wasn't really serious she was just trying to uh i don't know be facetious or whatever um but but the way that i would put it rather than just criticizing some other mother that i don't know uh you know i want my children to be uh courageous right and and courage is not a, a virtue that you discover in a vacuum uh, you don't recognize courage apart from risk and danger and how did how then do you cultivate courage apart from some risk and some danger and overcoming fear the fear has to be there and then you do what needs to be done uh, in spite of you know and how do you cultivate how do you practice being courageous uh except by building up courage you know and, and being encouraged you know think about the root word of encourage if you want to encourage your children you're trying to put courage into them and as christians as a church that is one of the primary reasons why we're supposed to not neglect the assembling of ourselves together as some do because we're supposed to be getting together to build up the body to edify one another to encourage one another to live this Christian life, to be fruitful, to be productive.
to do the good works that God has set out for us. Even though Jesus promises us in Matthew 10, persecution will come. Even though he assures us up front, he's very honest about it. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. <laughs> Don't be mistaken about that. Uh, even though he tells us that, he also says, for one, have no fear. You know, your father uh, cares even for the sparrows. And the, the number of hairs on your head are all numbered. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. God cares about you. He is not uh, ignorant of your circumstances. He's not unaware if you suffer or if you're in danger. He loves you. And also, guess what? There is a reward for those that are faithful, those who are living their Christian life as God has called them to. There's a reward coming. It's not just a risk for no reason. God has called us to it. There is a reward there, and he wants us to be motivated by that reward not just afraid of punishment, not just afraid of destruction, not just living in fear, but living with courage and hope and audacity, maybe even, and investing the talents he's given us. So anyway, that's all I've got for today. Uh, if you've listened all the way to the end here, thank you. Uh, I hope you were encouraged. That you come away built up by this. Uh, I hope also that uh, you know if you have anything to add, if you uh, think I'm uh, maybe misunderstanding something, please bring it to my attention. Uh, if you think maybe there's something else that uh, I, I could benefit to uh, consider in this topic, uh, please also bring that to my attention. You know, help me to become wiser and more knowledgeable, uh, just as I am hoping that I have uh, helped you to understand this topic better a little bit, get, getting you thinking encouraging you. Um, you know, if you have something to say, uh, whether you liked or disliked this podcast, uh, please uh, feel free to reach out to me. Find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Google Plus. I don't really use, but uh, you can uh, send me a, an email at uh, garrettmullet at gmail.com. Uh, I'll be happy to reply to whatever it is you send me. Um, also, too, you know, if you liked this podcast, you want to hear more of it, uh, hit subscribe on whatever you're, I, I guess we're on five platforms now. We've gotten the approval. Um, Anchor has an option you can click to share everywhere, and then it sends out requests for authorization to do that on these other platforms I haven't created accounts on yet. Uh, so yeah, there's five right now you can uh, subscribe to my podcast on. Uh, and then also too, if you want to check out my YouTube channel, you can do that and uh, see some of the just playing around I've been doing so far with that. But in any event, thank you for listening. Uh, God be with you. Be bold, be courageous, and uh, invest what it is that God has given you.